0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over work by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 5, 4,
1: 3, 2, 1, 0. Ignition. Liftoff. Welcome back to the GHT Overland Podcast. This is part two of our interview with Jason and Chris with Ox Overland. Let's jump right back in where we left off.
0: It's catastrophic. Yeah,
1: yeah
2: somebody's going to die. You know?
1: So it's off-camber, it plus it's downhill.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Way gotcha. It's a scree slope, so it's just that once you... You're, there's no backing up. Once yeah, you start once sliding, you jump out of the truck.
2: Yeah, it's all like shale yep. rock, and yeah, it was, it was not... It's. You know, like I said, it wasn't the, the path itself. It was what would happen if something went wrong. So
1: well, that's smart talk. that you were planning for the the what if something could go wrong. What's our <laughs> yeah. out? What happens everybody next?
0: Everybody had all their, all their stuff on them, too. The yeah. beacon. All that, everybody had everything near and dear to them was on their carcass. Yeah, and I told Chris, grab the... Uh, the 406 beacon. Just in yeah, case.
2: Yeah. yeah. Smart. What,
0: I don't, yeah, well, I don't even remember what that beacon's
2: called. What's the... Uh, InReach. InReach. Yeah, yeah but it's the ink the you know if something goes terribly wrong hit this button <laughs> yep
1: yeah i'm a big fan of the inreach
2: yeah so that was something i bought right at the end because i was like you know what if something goes wrong and we're out in the middle of nowhere we should probably have something so i
0: you got turn that away. thing on they'll get you within 30 seconds at the max they got you
2: yeah and it's we I, we didn't end up using it thank god don't know but or, yeah or super handy
1: worse tell us about your kitchen what did you guys set up for meal prep like what did your average meal prep look like
0: Mm, that's an embarrassing question you're gonna be nicer jason you you take this one (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh,
2: by the time we got to the point that we were leaving i we probably still could have used another six months of planning and the thing that was sacrificed the most was the meals (laughs) because that was just the the easy thing to kind of put to the You know we'll be in town every you know whatever we'll grab some stuff and we we put together this meal plan but what happened the guy who was going to cook for us ended up he was troy wasn't on the team anymore he had some personal things going on and so kobe took over and it was just one of those things where it was like it just kind of went without being planned out very well and we had an arb fridge freezer and you know here's another huge lesson that we learned is you know to have everything in bins is awesome for maybe a weekend or you know week two weeks but for 44 days to dig, be digging things out of places is maddening it's one of those things where i think i saw chris throw the coffee pot at oh, least yeah. twice <laughs> oh, yeah. in the morning cuz he can't find it. here's the coffee pot where's the coffee here's the
0: coffee all oh, the propanes in the back of the truck It's strapped down my hands hurt i can't take this stupid you know I, ratchet strap off and yeah so Chris loses it quick early in the morning
1: man's gotta have yeah. his coffee so how are you gonna organize that in the future
0: yeah we've already started we're gonna so, have a food truck
2: follow us around yeah. oh nice. <laughs> a roach coach okay <laughs> yeah no uh Weed. So pretty
1: rudimentary right pretty super basic a bunch of super guys basic. that's like the last thing you think of we'll take some hot dogs some buns we're good that's yeah,
0: exactly what he yeah. Kobe said ah, we'll just do burgers and dogs yeah guys i'm in my 40s i can't do that
1: yeah
2: yeah, yeah and well i mean the crazy thing is is some of the guys had dietary needs and yeah some of the stuff we were eating and yeah. it was like it was it was
0: kind of very well, that neglected. can ruin
1: a trip quick
0: yeah and it does very fast. <laughs> so, well yeah and i mean everybody we had for lunch we had these um and, and let me preface this by saying this is not kobe's fault because kobe is not a cook no he never claimed to be a cook but he stepped into the roll and stepped up to the plate so um definitely not trashing on him but for lunch we had uh these like wraps they were like these tortilla oh, man, wraps instead of bread if i i'll never ever eat those again yeah, we had was, those for 44 days for lunch Every day. Flour tortilla. Flour tortillas. With, with meat and, and then some and mayo whatever. that was questionably
2: cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's it fun. was and then the worst was when he switched to the pita bread, but it wasn't like the pocket pitas no. that we were trying to do. It, it was, was just pita bread. Uh, yeah. It was a flour tortilla that looked like a pita. So anyway. needless to say <laughs> Yeah.
1: So you're not I'm, gonna have an answer for me on the favorite recipe I'm taking.
2: No. no. Uh <laughs> any we'll say you have now, is probably better than what we have. Not too much pasta, we'll just say that. Yeah, we have a lot of pasta. Okay. But yeah, well, going forward, we actually started and there's so many good resources. I mean, there's so many groups out there that have good resources, but we're the, you know, we're the stubborn, the stubborn do it yourselfers. So we always try to figure it out ourselves. But what we did this time is we instead of trying to figure out what meals we wanted, we kind of did it backwards and said, "Let's, let's start out with ingredients and then figure out what we can make with what we have. That way we can kind of con- you know, consolidate how much things we're bringing, you know, how it's prepared, you know, what prep work we're doing. Because, you know, I mean, when you're on an expedition like that, you know, food is kind of one of the last things you really want to be doing when you're out there. So the more you can be prepared and the easier things are when you get out there, the the. And, and let's be honest, like the fuel you're putting into your body is the performance you're getting out of it. And, I mean, and that had to be play a big part in our <laughs> attitude towards each other. Absolutely. So, Pretty you know, sure I mean, it
1: was, yeah.
2: So, I mean, eating healthy while you're out there is big. I mean, that's been a yep. big topic of conversation whenever yeah. food comes up is we got to, you know, we need clean food. Got to do it better.
1: Yeah, that's a really good so. point. I think people could, uh, could take a lot from that. How did you guys manage laundry on the road?
0: Uh, Laundry mats. Yeah. Pretty okay, simple. Okay, so you yeah, yeah. Ozarks was the worst part because everything was soaking wet, oh, and yeah. the back of Kobe's truck smelled like a zoo. Yeah. Oh, everything back. smelled like a zoo. It's, yeah.
1: So I'm guessing kind of the same thing for bathing, for showers. When you're coming in to hit the laundromat, get gas, are you finding some place to get a quick shower? Are you jumping in the creek? What, what were you doing there?
0: We did it all was the we, above. Yeah, a little bit okay. of both. Lakes. I, I feel like we mostly probably took showers in lakes and. Yeah, it was lakes, and then we had the, uh, the, the water that. pump Jason put on the Land Cruiser, so we yeah. up out of the Roto Pack, and, and it was a summer trip, so it's 100 and some odd degrees. And a roto pack shower is pretty good at that
1: point. Yeah, it is awesome. Yeah, it makes it simple. So before we get into kind of the planning process, um, anything else? Like what was the biggest challenge you faced in the entire trip? And what I want you to do is really think like maybe one of the most stressful points. I don't know if it was that scree slope you had to go down or what would you name your number one? Like I just did not know how we were going to get out of this type situation. And what did you learn from that?
2: Oh, man. Here we go. We're going to bring it back around to the interpersonal stuff. Like, honestly, the the hardest point on the trip was in um, Nebraska and and Kansas, because the the team suffered when there wasn't a challenge to be overcome. (laughs) And when you were in the in the flatter states, um, there was there was nothing to do. And so we just kind of it, it, everything kind of broke down at the
0: yes, yeah, sniping at dirt each other. It's hot, nothing it's but boring, soy and yeah. corn and yeah.
2: Yeah, and we pretty much that I mean the, if you watch the episodes, the the later episodes basically I mean you can I mean even the interviews, you could tell we were all kind of at each other's throats and people were doing stuff that we you know other people were finding <laughs> offensive at that point and I think everybody was just kind of like we kind of had enough of each other because you know again we're, you know, sitting next to each other, driving all day. We're standing next to each other around the campground, or a camp, campfire, and then we're sleeping next to each other in the, in the car. I mean, you just, you just don't get a break from, I mean, unless you're in the bathroom or take a away by yourself. Well,
0: you have no privacy. Yeah. The only privacy you have is that seat you're in for that day. The good part about the whole trip was,
2: was the Ozarks, and what ended up happening on the trip is we came in a week early. And our family was we were going to meet us in, in Kansas City, and then we were going to all caravan back together. So we needed to be, you know, in Kansas City at a certain time, but we got there a week early. Again, traveling a lot faster than we thought we were going to. And so we ended up back at, um, you know, in, in Missouri, you know, kind of looking at each other like, where are we going to go? And we decided we we're going to hit the Ozarks. And so we dropped down to the Ozarks, and that was probably the best way we could have capped off the trip because now there was a whole new set of challenges. It was a new, new experience and you know, in true overland fashion, it was one of those things where it was like, it was, we more about the journey than the destination at that point, which was kind of a, a welcome change from, you know, the go, go, go up and down of, of, you know, the expedition life, I guess. And so we had an overland trip on our expedition, I guess you could say, and we went down to the Ozarks and it was wet and rainy and... Wonderful. Rivers were inflated, but we did more river crossings in you know four days than we'd done the whole trip. And those were amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it that was a
1: great episode.
2: Yeah, it was our favorite spot. I mean, I one of my bucket lists is to go back there during the fall. during the fall whenever all the leaves are changing and stuff because it reminded me a lot of Oregon <laughs> in the terrain, but the trees were different. It had much more of like a rainforesty feel. Tropical, tropical. It was, yeah, yeah, it was. It was a great.
0: The people were awesome.
2: Oh yeah, the people were. I mean, the people were great all along the oh road, my but, God. but yeah, the it's Ozarks. Grandpa a,
1: of the uh, of the Ozarks. Yes. Yeah. Was a cool guy, right. Bub,
2: Bub, Bub Pearson. Bub Pearson. Yeah. Yeah. What I did with the story I didn't get to tell on that because I didn't have enough footage, is that a few weeks before we were there, um, Bub Pearson had tied a rope around himself, had one of his neighbors lower him into the well to get these rock big rocks that some people had thrown down the well. And this guy's 80, 82, something 84, like or something like that.
1: And they let oh, him man. do it.
2: Oh, I mean, you weren't talking that guy out of it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> your grandpa the Ozarks,
1: That's he awesome. might bury you
2: somewhere. He would. But, okay. yeah, he was a so, cool guy.
1: Jason, with with you being the team lead, with all your experience now, when you're going to plan a trip, if you're going to replan this the same trip or maybe a trip you're going to take in the future – what is your process for planning and any particular software or methods that you go through to do that?
2: Yeah. I, uh, yeah, that's the question we get asked most. I actually made a tutorial on it because I was like, I keep getting asked this question. I might as well share my secrets. But, um, yeah, when I plan a trip and the, the only reason I've chosen this stuff is just because that's how it happened. like, you know, again, we didn't go into this knowing anything. So, um, I basically for the Oregon trail, what I did is I took an, you know, several old Oregon trail maps and just started kind of doing research to try to find the route back, you know, I guess from Oregon to, to Kansas city. But, um, and then I took those maps and used a program called scribble maps. It's a, um, online based program. It's, you know, the, it's a Google satellite view is what it's based off of. And you basically just drag a line. And so, I basically tried to replicate that same area and try to stay as close to the Oregon trails. I could while staying off, um, you know, main roads. And, you know, a lot of it, we were close to the Oregon trail. Sometimes we're pretty far away from the Oregon trail, but like kind of our our whole purpose was to, you know, try to stick as closely as we could to the, to the actual path while staying off roads. So, so basically I use scribble maps to kind of create my map. And then when we're, when we're out there, we use uh, Gaia to navigate, so we always always bring, you know, paper maps, too, from where we are just as backup. But the honest truth is the only person that knows how to use those is Chris over here. Make so. <laughs> backup. Yeah. Well, I you had a navigation. backup
1: plan if the electronics went out. Right, right for
2: sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did, too. The iPad overheated a couple of times. Already. Several times. Well, we're staying here for a
1: second. <laughs> yeah, well, Chris, I, if I remember right, you had made some uh, makeshift sunshade. <laughs> Holy cow, for the iPad, did you not?
0: Yes, I, that was my shemagh. I wrapped it around there, and I do believe I had a, a, a cussing session under that. Because <laughs> I I'd had, like, sunglasses on, and then I got my reading glasses on. You know, it's 110 degrees. I'm sweating. I can't hear anything. There's, you know, the, the floor of the passenger side of the Land Cruiser is a skillet at this point because the exhaust is right under it. Um, yeah, it was just one of those days where it's like, wow, this is fun. If we had a paper map, we'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah and technology do not mix no we don't we
1: don't now in the beginning of your trip having more rigs with you did that complicate things more than towards the end with only two rigs
2: yeah that's always been the struggle and that's to be honest one of the biggest issues that we've had with the team is just whose rigs going what you know what rigs going what are we doing with that and you know me being you know always trying to be the practical one i've always said like you know the less is, you know, obviously you need more than one vehicle because you need, you know, help, but two is ideal for us just because, you know, if you think about it, if it takes you an hour to get one truck through something, then it's taking you two hours to get two and three hours to get three, and that's if everything goes smoothly, you know what I mean? So you're just compounding how much time you spend out there. And, and so, you know, again, it's, you know, it's an expedition, not an overland trip, and so we're very much focused on more function and stuff than, than comfort, I guess. But
0: for what we did, two, two rigs, I think when everybody peeled off and it ended up being two rigs, I think that was about right. Yeah. It was about right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So,
1: Let's go over just real quick safety security. And I don't know, maybe Chris, you're the better one to take this or Jason, take it if you are. But and maybe, you know, with trips in the US, I wouldn't think of it so much. Um, I usually use this one for trips that are more global. But any tips or ideas that uh, you guys either do or would give our listeners regarding safety and security uh, doing a trip like this?
0: it's going to sound like a cop-out but that really depends on where you're going to go the first thing is do your research because if you're going to go to you know south america or go to africa or wherever europe do your research see what's happening see what's going on and do your research not in the mainstream media start looking at actual stats from the state department and from world sources and so you know be educated in that fashion um as far as security goes more animals for us (laughs) than yeah it was more animals for us and i mean that's there's, we were up in Bear Country. And so We take our, our food and put it inside the cab of the truck, and, and yeah. just real simple stuff that a lot of people do. S- safety um, though is kind of like a thing that we've been talking about a whole lot more lately on this trip than we did on. The yeah, because this trip's going to be a lot more challenging. Um, safety with us on our trip more so was, yeah, did we did we, you know, find a good place to camp where we're not going to get killed by you know a dead standing tree blowing down. Um, you know, this trip was pretty mild as far as as the animals went. Yeah. You know, a couple bobcats, nothing huge. Yeah. But safety in numbers. I mean, if you're going to go to yeah. another country and you're going to overland and stuff, you know, the more the merrier. Uh, and don't look like a target. Know the, know the laws of the country and, and don't look like a target. And if you're informed before you go in there, you we shouldn't have any problems. Yeah. You know, things happen. But, you know, down the road, I, people are like, oh, well, just, I'll just buy a gun when I get down there or whatever. No. You're not going to do that. Yeah. So...
1: Okay, so working on the road How much production did you guys do During the trip And would you change that at all next time
2: You know I, I feel pretty comfortable with the way we did Our production, we've been working for, you know well two and a half years before that and we like I said we've filmed since the very beginning and so you know we've had people come and go Jesse's not quite as involved as he was at the very beginning but he's been a huge resource for us to kind of help us and guide us on the way we film but the the other thing is is like what I'm learning now being a little bit more involved in production and stuff is the style of shooting we do is it very typical because it's so run and gun and it's not you know your traditional planned out kind of production i mean most of it's just you know you're trying to capture what's there and so we've
1: true hey on communication what did you guys use we're using uh i don't know if you were communicating with outside the team or we're using ham radio cb like a frs radio
2: we uh we used uh we had a uh, quad band radio in each of the uh in each of the rigs and so okay. we could operate on on CB, ham, or uh, two way FRS. Um, but uh, yeah, we ran ham most of the time. Uh, we all had personal Bofang, uh ham radios for each person. And then we, like I said, we had the, uh, I think TYT quad band radios is what you used on the uh, and tank. There again mm-hmm. is our guru. Yes, Tank. He is set our, it all up for us and communicate with the mothership.
1: Did you have a preventative maintenance schedule that you followed during your trip?
0: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. When we got into wherever we're going to camp every night, we would, uh, one of my jobs was to go over the vehicles, check all the fluids. Well, it was me. All right. (laughs) right. To check all the fluids, um, crawl under each truck, and just do a visual um, of everything, just from front to back under it, just to see if there's anything that happened or something that might happen. And yeah, it was exactly, I mean, just a full blown. Uh, every night, just go over the the entire, both, both trucks. And that way, when we turn the key in the morning, we know we're good to go. If something breaks, that means it broke that day. Yeah. And I think the biggest issue we had was the electrical
2: on the trip. That was pretty much the biggest. I mean, one of the things was the heat was so hot that, um, yeah, our famous last words is we don't need this air conditioning belt because, if the pioneers did it without air conditioning, we can too. The thing we didn't take into consideration is that it's not us that might need a, the the uh, air conditioning, it was the electronics. Remember that oh, nice cam right. radio he that's just right. talked about? Yeah, that thing died, yeah. what, what, day five? Yeah, day five we lost one of the quad band radios because we had it tucked away in, in, under the dash and it just got so hot up there that it burnt out. And we also lost a pure sine inverter.
0: Oh, yeah. For the same
2: reason. And we, we lost
0: two handhelds as well.
2: Yeah, and two handheld radios. Yeah, the
0: heat kill us on those.
2: Yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, I mean, it, to be honest, it, it made it very, a lot harder on the team, too. It was one of those yeah. things where you're like, you drive hot, you sleep hot, you wake up hot. It's you get like, grumpy
0: yeah. if you're not used to it. And that, that's, yeah. That's and so definitely having air wasn't. conditioning is... It's not, it's not, it's for the equipment. I would do it again with no air conditioning, without a question. But it would have been nice to have that radio on LC the whole time.
2: Yeah, well, it would have been nice to be cool a little bit, too, because it was hot.
1: <laughs> One spare tire or two per vehicle?
2: One. One. Did we ever use any of them? No. Nope. 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 We, the only time that, as a team that we've ever had any issues, Kobe uh, broke a valve stem
0: at one point. Oh, I wasn't there for that one. Yeah, that was yeah. earlier. Yeah, trip, no issues nope. with tires at all. No, nope. I mean...
1: How much fuel capacity did you guys have? Sounded like you went through a lot more. You weren't able to go as far as you thought you would.
2: Yeah, we had 25 gallons on the Land Cruiser Cruiser in the tank and then five more on the back. Yep. And the Ranger had 19-gallon capacity
0: and we had...
2: Four Four. Four on the the range.
0: We didn't carry a whole lot of extra gas, but we we mapped it out so that we wouldn't get ourselves into a pickle if something went down. Yeah, we tried to... The the thing that we tried to do is try to keep the
2: roto packs and stuff as a backup. I mean, we always tried to, like, you know, if we were going to be close to a town, we tried to fill up just because it would just irked everybody to have to come to town so much
0: we stuff. wanted to be on the trail we didn't want to be in town we didn't want to have to go oh we got to get gas we gotta go to the grocery store and all this other stuff and i was yep. especially grumpy
2: but we already we're mitigating that now with we got a uh what 20 gallon tank for the land cruiser
0: yeah auxiliary
2: tank. auxiliary tank and then the new the new rig we're bringing is uh we're doing a gx 470 build right now and uh we needed something that had a little bit more grunt because we were probably going to bring a trailer with us on this next expedition. And so, um, with the V8 of that GX470 and with all the new, uh, support for that vehicle coming out, we, yeah. and I've always been a fan of the Prado 120. So it was a natural, uh, progression for us, I think. And it's, to me it was still in the Land Cruiser family. And mm-hmm. so it felt right. <laughs> I've crawled under
1: it. So, okay. Yeah. How did you guys calculate your fuel needs and how far it would take you so you knew exactly when that point was that you didn't need to really use the Roto Pack but needed to get into town and get some more gas?
2: Yeah, basically, we, I mean, we, once we started getting into half to three eighths, we started kind of like trying to figure out where we were. Okay. And, and then, you know, tried to fill up as soon as we could after that. Cause the hard part is like, the, We actually looking back, we probably could have most for the most part pushed that a lot further, but you just don't know because, again, we'd never been through this area. There was very little, like, you know, resources as far as trying to figure out what was around there. And as any, you know, off roader knows or overlander knows, you know, the terrain itself dictates how fast you're going and how far you're going. You know what I mean? And so, you know, it, it could look easy and you could be, you know, hundred miles from the next gas station and you're like oh that'd be easy and then you hit you know a section of trail that takes you four and a half hours to get through and then you've burned up most of your fuel and now you don't have enough to get there you know what i mean and so it was always like you know and again big frustration for the team but it was always one of those things that we are trying to be aware of and not get ourselves into a situation because i mean we put a lot of work into this we didn't want to be the idiots who ran out of gas out there
1: (laughs) so good how much water did you guys carry
0: Quite a bit of water, huh? It wasn't enough. It was two gallons per guy per day. That was our baseline of water, and we carried more than that. So,
1: and did that work pretty good for you?
0: Um, we we had no, to fill up on supp- water like, a yeah, lot. We supplemented a lot, a lot like with. Did you filter?
1: Water. Did you have yep. a filter method to do?
0: Um, we boiled twice. Yeah, if, okay. but that was just to supplement the rest of our stuff. But no, we we typically. When we got went in to get gas, we just either fill up the packs or grab more water.
2: Yeah, and that was a hard part too because we were constantly. I mean, that's just, a lot of Chris was doing. This is trying to find a water source we could yeah. camp next to, so we could, you know, refill water and, and uh, bathe. you know, bathe. But Probably. you know, moving forward, that's something that we we're definitely going to have a water filtration system to kind of help facilitate that, and then more storage too. That was part of the reason for bringing a trailer too. Is like you know. It's a little bit of a hindrance, except especially for this next trip that we're on, it's going to be a lot more intense terrain wise, but, you know, to be able to have a little more capacity and water and, and, you know, just having a little bit more, you know, storage and, you know, for the production gear and all that stuff, it just seemed like a necessary evil.
1: Okay. So you've teased us a little bit, Jason, on this next expedition. What do you want to share with our listeners on what that looks like and what you're putting together?
2: Yeah, so this uh, next expedition, actually, uh, the irony of it, it was, we we talked a lot about whether or not this was a one-time trip, or if we're going to do this again, or what was going to happen, and we all kind of had different different opinions on how that was going to go down, but the one thing that we could never kind of figure out is what was next. I mean, we talked about the Lewis and Clark Trail, we talked about... know some of the other historic routes you know we've talked about going outside the country and you know there was never anything that kind of like had that romance of the oregon trail i guess until we hit uh south pass city Mm -hmm. wyoming and we ended up going into this little outlaw town in the middle of nowhere and it was uh it was their little mercantile I, i think the population was like it was less than a hundred. It was like eighty. It doubled when we rolled in town. Yeah, so there was like <laughs> nobody <laughs> is that the ghost in there. town
1: you guys went into?
2: Uh, that was no, that was different. Uh, okay, uh, Wait, go ahead. Am yeah, so I saying this wrong? Is is not South Pass City? It's South Pass it City Atlantic where the City. Atlantic, City. Atlantic City. You're right. Okay, it was Atlantic City. It was Atlantic City,
0: Wyoming. Sorry, is where we were at. South, South Pass City
2: was a historic town West right before town. that. Yeah, so Atlantic City was the the outlaw town. And, uh, we, so the, the, the mercantile there was the only thing in town. So we needed to, we're going to meet a friend there. So we stopped for lunch and we went into the mercantile and in your classic, like small town thing, it was like every, like the three locals that were in there turned around and looked at us like, what are these same slippers doing? Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, and so, you know, we sat down, had some lunch and we started talking to him about what we were doing. Of course, you know, I mean, that's a big icebreaker is when you start talking about the Oregon trail and all that stuff, people start, you know, perking up and so, they started telling us about the outlaw trail, which was something completely foreign to us. And all the research I did never heard of it, but it was, um, essentially it was, there was no, uh, established outlaw trail necessarily, but it was the corridor that they took basically from El Paso, Texas up through Montana. And it was kind of the corridor that they robbed on and had their hideouts on and, you know, kind of did their whole thing on. And, uh, you know, the thing that was exciting to us was I think the Oregon Trail was an awesome trip and it was a cool opportunity and it was something that we all like got really inspired by. But it didn't have – I don't know if we really identified with the pioneers as much as we do with the outlaws.
0: We identify more with the outlaws. I mean, and
2: that was the, kind of one of, the, one of the things. And then, you know, as you can imagine, like I said earlier, the pioneers took the path of least resistance. The, the outlaws took the path of most resistance, you know, and they were looking for the hardest route so they were out of the way of the law and so our route's gonna basically go from uh, we're gonna go from the uh, Canadian border up in uh, Montana all the way down to uh, uh, Mexico right in uh, El Paso Texas and it basically follows the path right through the continental divide pretty much goes through um, New Mexico Arizona uh, Colorado uh, Utah Utah, Wyoming Wyoming, and then Montana Montana. and then we'll finish or we'll we'll start at the Canadian border and work our way down. But some of the terrain is,
0: Oh, it's going to be, yeah,
2: it's going to be pretty brutal. And so we're trying to figure out um, a lot of things on, I mean, you know, the cruiser still needs a lot of TLC from the last trip. And we need to kind of go through her and then, you know, getting the GX ready. And there's a lot of things going on right now. And there's a lot of things up in the air, but the outlaw trails are next expedition. And we're working towards that a possible September 1st, des- uh, uh, departure, but, maybe a little further out than that yeah and then you know again the terrain on this is going to be oh, way more intense than yeah. than what we've faced before which is exciting for us we're really looking forward to that and the challenge i guess because you know up until we hit the ozarks the ozarks really with the kind of the cap on the trip that made us feel like we've at least stretched our legs yep. a little bit but you know Water for the most part and- you know we had that ridge back we had a pretty gnarly cross like, cattle, crossling, cro, cattle crossing yeah, the cattle crossing where trail it's pretty a uh, uh, technical rock garden kind of area but uh it, we really didn't get pushed to the max I would say and that's what one, one thing we're looking because I mean I'm I'm pretty confident that there's going to be some challenges we can overcome on this on this next expedition oh for
0: sure this next one's going to be off the charts yeah so we're excited about it good well
1: good luck to you in, in planning that and putting that together so guys one of the things that's really important to us is is giving back and doing good in the world so What are your thoughts on either stuff that you either do or want to do or things, opportunities our listeners might have while they're on the road uh, to do good things for other people as overlanders?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, as overlanders, I feel like passing it on what we've learned, like for my part, I can pass on, I can show somebody how to build a fire. And if they pay attention, they'll carry that with the rest of the rest of their life, like a tool, Uh, much the same as recovery tactics vehicle tactics with the overlanding you know jason can can show people the proper way to use use gaia or whatever navigation program to where you know because any tools only as good as the dude using it right or yeah. the woman and uh i think passing on our information is the, is one of the main ways in an everyday fashion that we can do it you know that we we kind of carry yeah. it forward and help people
2: absolutely and you know i mean like you've touched on before we're i mean the thing that people like about us is we're regular i mean we are regular dudes i Swing a hammer for a bit. No. Yeah. That's, you know, we're not, you know, anything special. We don't have a huge budget. It was just something that we wanted to do. And that's, you know, how we learned. And I feel like some of the lessons you learn the hard way are the, you know, strongest lessons. And that's, you know, if we can, if we can help somebody avoid the same mistakes we did, you know, that's, we've, we've done a, we've done this, our yeah. service, I feel like, you know. And then again, you know, the history side of things is, you know, I think more so for me than, than most of the guys, but I've always been kind of a history buff. And I just like that, you know, I mean, it, trying to bring it to a different community that might not, you know, and we've had, you know, we've had our videos shown in schools for history and, and all kinds of things. So there's that aspect of making it relevant to, to, I guess, our generation, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, kind of keeping that history alive in some fashion. Okay,
1: good. Well let's wrap things up with some fun facts about you guys. So what's a favorite drink in the morning?
0: Coffee. Coffee, 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 and what did you drink, Jason? you not a coffee guy. Did I? what the water? I'm a smoothie guy, but we didn't have smoothie yeah, stuff. You did didn't we? some Red Bulls here and there, did not you? No, no. Well, Jason doesn't do coffee. Um, we're pretty sure Jason's a cyborg. We're not <laughs> going back to that.
1: <laughs> Very good. And at night, any favorite drinks to uh, wind things down?
0: Uh, I am a.
2: I'm a cider guy. A cider guy uh, by choice, but by beer doesn't fare well with my stomach. So two towns. Bright cider is what, well, I I constantly joke around about the fact that I'm trying to find a cider that tastes like beer, but I
0: don't think that's going to happen. So that's my drink of choice. And then Chris? Mine was the pink lemonade that Josh and Haley brought to us when we were up in the middle of Wyoming. I've been drinking water for, you know, days and days, and they brought us these ice cold pink lemonade in a can, and it was, oh my God, I think I drank four of them in like 10 minutes
1: so what's your best advice to aspiring overlanders like us
0: you know
2: what just do it like stop just stop planning and go do it i mean like that's you know i i said before that we could have used another six months of planning but sometimes you just got to do it and the thing is it's like you know this was a path that that took all of us to a place where we didn't expect to be but You know, like I said, we we weren't even sure if we were going to do this again, but it's actually for most of us inspired a kind of different lifestyle and kind of adopted that more travelers, nomadic lifestyle rather than being tied down to the everyday life. But you got to take steps to do it. You know what I mean? And it's like I feel like too many people, you know, want to do something, but the only way to get there is to make it a priority.
1: Okay, cool. And how can people learn more about you?
2: Oh, yeah. Go to our website, uh, www.outlawexpeditions, no E on the expeditions, and an S at the end, .com. Um, and you can check out all of our stuff. You can visit us on Instagram, Facebook. Ox Overland is the, uh, the Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then, of course, our YouTube channel. And uh, check out our documentary series, and you can actually watch about all this crazy stuff that's happened. And, then... and okay. One
0: Lane Road is our YouTube channel.
2: Oh, that's the name of the documentary, the documentary series. series. It's just Outlaw Expeditions or Oxford okay.
1: Perfect. Any business or organization you want to mention that our listeners should check out?
2: Oh, yeah. We've got lots of people. Here. Oh, we got I mean, a ton. Uh, CBT Tents, you know, they're providing us our tents. And then, you know, of course, ARB. Warren. And Warren, Warren, Warren is actually right in our backyard, and they are great people over there. And they really have a heart for the overlanders. For, I mean, from the very beginning, before we were really anything, they – They had helped us out. So they've always been a huge...
0: They jumped on board right in the beginning. Yeah, they've been a
2: huge help. I mean, we didn't really have any followers or anything at that point, but they really saw the value in what we were doing. And, you know, of course, we're a local, so I think that helped a little bit. But, yeah, and then, you know, uh, Outer Limit Supply, there's uh, traction jacks that we're we're connected with. Um,
0: Off the grid.
2: Yeah, so there's a whole
0: handful of people that,
2: you know, it takes a mountain of people to try to (laughs) facilitate an expedition like that, so...
1: Okay.
0: appreciate all the help we get
1: good before we wrap it up anything we missed or useful resources that our listeners should check out
2: uh useful resources um i've got some if you guys are interested in navigation that was kind of my expertise on that end of things and although i don't really know how to read a map properly the (laughs) technical side of you know gps navigation and stuff i'm pretty familiar with so if you check out our youtube channel you can you can see the, the tutorials on how we build our maps and then and then what we yeah. do to execute them on the
1: trail. So, uh, yeah. Okay, good. So, hey, guys, thank you so much for your time. We are grateful and truly humbled you've given us such an amazing look into your world. So safe travels to you guys. I'm really looking forward to future adventures that you do, and we hope we catch up on the road sometime.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we do. Thank you very much.
1: Awesome. Cheers. And that's a wrap. What an awesome chat with Jason and Chris. There was a ton of great lessons and experience that they shared. If you're planning an expedition, their stories just gave you the inside view of what makes a trip like this work and where the challenges are. I hope you pulled as much value from their experiences as we did. It's a good idea to visit the show notes on our website at ghtoverland.com just click on podcast then select the ox overland episode all the details and links will be there along with jason's mapping secrets thank you for listening to the ght overland podcast be sure to rate the episode five stars of course to keep the web magic flowing for us so we can reach as many overlanders and aspiring overlanders as possible cheers